This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, Agun Arav Shabbos everyone. Aguten Choydash. Choydash Elul. Parshas Shoiftim. Now, the insights and imponderables of Parshas Shoiftim had a special siyata deshmaya. And let me tell you what happened. So I just came back from Panama uh, last night this morning at about 1 a.m. And in order for these uh, in order for these chedushim to be typed up, I have to send it to the typist, you know, before before midnight. The problem was I was landing after midnight. So I had to finish it up basically driving to the airport yesterday and in the airport and on the plane. And I was racing against the clock to be able to uh, finish up before the plane takes off because once the plane takes off, I can't scan it anymore and, and you know email it. So I was finishing off, finishing off. I was on the plane and the plane was scheduled to take off and... Uh, uh, <laughs> Baruch Hashem, our tefillahs were answered that the plane did not take off until these chidushim were finished written, finished being written. Literally, as the plane started going, I sent, uh, sent it off, and I was, you know, it wasn't going through so easily because the connection was very spotty. And then I got confirmation, it went through, and Baruch Hashem, when I landed, it was already uh, typed up. So Baruch Hashem, uh, so I-, I wanted to thank, I told, I told the person who was taking care of us, of Isaac and to be that I would uh, I would let him, I would mention uh, I told him the first of the imponderables in the car, but uh, Baruch Hashem they were all able to go to print. So let's begin with the um, some ideas on the parsha parsha shoiftim. Um, okay, the pasuk says v'kamta of the alisa. You're going to go up. You're going to get up and you're going to go up. So Rashi says why. Is going to the Yushalayim, the Beis Hamikdash, called going up. What if you're coming from the Rocky Mountains? What if you're coming from the Catskills? What if you're coming from Mount Everest or Denali? Who knows where you're coming from? Why is it Vikamtavalisa? Says Rashi, Malamid, Shabes Hamikdash, The highest spot in the world is the Beis Hamikdash. Now, obviously, that is subject to. Uh, to understanding, because uh, most topographers would say there are higher mountains than Har Hamariya. But Sam Soifer says, you know, when you have a, the world is round, so it all depends on the vantage point. You know, any spot on a ball, you could say it's the highest spot if that's the if that's where you're if you're holding it in a way where that spot is on top. In other words, Yam HaMelech could be the tallest place in the world if you're holding the globe in a way where Yam HaMelech is on the top. So from the vantage point that Ene Hashem, Yerushalayim, this is the highest spot in the world. So here's my, my simple question. There's a big Torah out there. Why does the Torah choose to tell us that Yerushalayim is the highest spot in the world? Dafka now in Parsha Shoiftim, regarding going up to the Sanhedrin Hagadolah. In other words, this does not seem to be specifically connected to the Indian of... We're talking about somebody um, who has a question about judgment. Blood, Yaradea, 
Din Ladin, Chosha Mishpat, Negala Nega, Tumavatara. So, why in this context does it have to say the base of English is the highest spot in the world? Perhaps we could say as follows. We know that Avira da Aramachim, the heir of Eretz Yisrael, makes one wise. Lechayra, then, as, as great as Avira da Ara is, Avira di Rishalayim is even greater. After all, the Navi tells us, Ki Why? Why mitziyan Well, a part of it is avira da'ara. Now, why is avira da'ara machim? What's better about, what's better about avira da'ara? Presumably it's because it's more elevated. Because Eretz Yisrael, Gavayami Kalaratzais. So even that, if that's not a scientific uh, description, but spiritually, Eretz Yisrael is higher than any land, and therefore its avir is more spiritually conducive. And in that case, Yushalayim's avir is even greater. And then, the Makayim HaMikdash, if it's Gavoya Mikol Ha'aratzos, in other words, if the highest spot on the world is the Beis HaMikdash, it must have the most powerful spiritual avir. Ah, oh, now we understand why the Torah tells this to us, Dafka here. Because we're talking about somebody who doesn't know what to do in halacha. So he might say, okay, so uh, I don't know, nobody knows. So you say, no, go to a place where they might have more chachma than you. He says, where's that? Go to Yerushalayim, go to the basement. You say, wow, why would they know more than I know? Because they're in a makoim, that's govaya mikolo aratzois and amela, is better avir, and the avir of the makoim hamikdash, is machkim yoiser than where you go, where, 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 than where you hang out. Okay. Next I want to share with you just a very simple thought, which is definitely somewhat dangerous. So, use at your own caution. And it's as follows. It says, Loisilmad la'asais. Yud ches tes. Don't learn about the Avodah of the nations of the world. Don't learn about how they worship Avodah So Chazal famously say, you're now to learn to serve the Avodah but you are allowed to learn to be able to paskin and to know, did this person in fact worship the Avodah did this person not worship the Avodah Zarah? Okay, I think we're all familiar with that. That Bezdin has to be familiar with various forms of Avodah Zarah in order to know whether somebody's innocent or guilty. But Rashi adds to what Chazal say. Rashi adds, don't learn to serve the Avodah Zarah, but you could learn to understand it, to understand how corrupt it is, how empty it is, why? Why is it important to know how empty it is? To teach your children, don't do that! That's what the Gentiles do. That's a, lot, that's a step forward than what um, is commonly thought. Commonly it's thought the Sanhedrin is given license to learn about certain things in order to be able to pask in halacha But this is not for the average Joe. Rashi seems to be saying that every single Jew has to have an awareness. This is not just an authorization 
don't learn. But if you want, you could learn to be able to explain to your children. It seems like maybe this is considered ideal, where a person should have some understanding of the emptiness of the nations of the world in order to explain why in fact it's empty and wrong and problematic. Now I think this is very dangerous, but this is what Rashi is saying. Rashi is saying that on some level, and we have to know how it applies, where it applies, when it applies, on some level, one should have an understanding. In other words, let's say, um, just to give you a general example, you know, obviously there are certain forms of technology that are very harmful. Obviously there's certain reading material which is very harmful. If a parent had no idea what it was even, he would not be able to tell his children, you know, stay away from that. The kid said, what do you know about that? You don't even know what it is. But if the parent knows what it is, the parent could explain, look, this is, uh, this is wrong. This is, uh, does not meet our standards. Rashi seems to be saying that there is an idea, not just for Bezdin, that every parent has to be aware to some extent of certain things. And I'm not here to tell you what the guidelines are and what the information that you need to know is. But there is, it seems like a parent has to be educated in certain ways of the world, just in order to mechanech their children. Who says that? Rashi. See for yourself. Okay. What's the Ari Miklat doing in this week's parsha? What is the Ari Miklat doing in this week's parsha? Why dafka now do we have the mitzvah of Ari Miklat? And I think that's also very simple. The Arizal tells us that Chodesh Elul is compared to an Ari Miklat. The remez to Chodesh Elul is Ina liyadai v'samti l'cha makayim. Elul is considered a city of refuge. We know that more than any month of the year, there are Ramazim to Elul, right? There's so many Ramazim to Elul. Ina liyadai v'samti l'cha. Es levavcha v'yes levav. Ish l'reyehu matanas l'avyanum. Uva l'tziyayin gai el ul shave pesha. There are literally dozens and dozens of Ramazim to the word Elul all over the Chumash and all over the Davening. And you're not going to find Ramazim to Tammuz and to Tishrei and to Cheshvan. Why so many Ramazim to Elul? Because Elul is an Arei Miklad and there's a mitzvah for an Arei Miklad. You have to have signs everywhere. There, go there. The Arei Miklad is there. Therefore, there's a remez to Elul everywhere. And that's why Davka and Shoiptim, the beginning of Chodesh Elul, we read about the Ari Miklat. Very interesting, the end of the parasha we have the, the prohibition of cutting down a fruit tree. The prohibition of cutting down a fruit tree. You know, it's, it's very problematic to move into a house and in the backyard, smack in the middle, you have a fruit tree. It's a problem. You don't want it there. Maybe the fruits aren't good. Maybe they're not edible. Maybe they're infested. And, you know, like, what do you do? But you're not to cut down a fruit tree. And right after that, we have the episode of a dead body is found slain, and they take a cow, and they break the back of its neck. And what type of cow? An egla bashnasa, a one-year-old cow. Rashi said something that was very telling to me and I think would explain the juxtaposition of the subjects at the end of the parasha. 
Hashem says, you know why you take a calf one year old? Because the calf never produced peris. Cut its neck in a land that was never worked, that never produced peris. To atone for the fact that you killed someone who was not able to bring progeny into the world. So it seems like when the Bezdin is held to be responsible for the dead body, we emphasize the fact you're, gonna, you're going to break the back of the neck of a cow that never produced progeny in a place that no trees, no, uh, nothing ever grew in order to atone for the fact that this person was not allowed to produce fruits. This would explain Rabbi Said the juxtaposition of Egla Rufa and not cutting down a fruit tree. The Torah seems to be telling us about the importance of something that has the ability to produce, needs to produce. And you can't stop it from producing. The function of being in this world is to produce payrois. The Malbum writes in Parshas Noyach, Eila Todos Noyach, Noyach ish Sadik, Tamim Haya Bedoyroisav, Esholaikim Esalech Noyach. That fruits in this world does not just mean actual progeny, although that's the physical fruits of a person. But a person has to produce fruits in society. A person has to contribute to, to the Jewish community. What do you do for the tzibor? A person has to produce fruits in his ethical behavior. In other words, a person has to be productive. The Sfarim even tell us, Chidushe Torah is a form of procreation. Therefore, we have to be careful not to cut down the fruit tree. God created everything that... Everything is supposed to be productive. I remember now, Rav Miller used to say, a, a very difficult pasuk, Asher bara eloikim la'asais that God created to do. And the Mepharshim struggle. What does it mean, God created to do? And Rav Miller would explain, God created man to produce. Our objective in this world is to produce. And God created creations that they should produce. And therefore the Torah warns us not to cut down the fruit tree. And that's why immediately after that, the emphasis on finding the dead body is that he was not allowed to produce in this world. And that's how we don't just say, you know, you're responsible for his death, but we emphasize, the nakuda we emphasize is, look, you've, you've, eliminated, you've mitigated this person's opportunity to produce in this world. Okay, so these are the, um, these are the chedushim on uh, shoiftim, and now um, um, some imponderables. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.